Welcome to The Abundant Life with your host, me, Brandon Kelly. Hey, welcome to episode five of The Abundant Life. I'm so excited that you've decided to join me for the next 15 minutes as we continue our study in the book of John. Pretty awesome. Growing up, I remember going to my friend's house and he had internet before I did. And I remember getting this, it was like a software program called Napster. Some of you may remember this. And basically, it was a way in which to download music for free. And so as young kids, we were excited about it because we could get all of our favorite uh, you know, artists, songs, and all of that for free. And there were even like movies on there and all this. And I don't know if you realize this, but I believe Napster ended up getting like sued for a, a ton of money. Ended up going out of business or at least kind of falling off the face of the earth. And then there was another program that was very similar to it. I don't know if it's still around, uh, called Frostwire. Started out using LimeWire, which is like the same thing. Frostwire and LimeWire were these these software programs that did the same thing, that you could download music and download uh, all kinds of things. And I remember just taking advantage of it because it was convenient and I didn't have to pay to buy a CD anymore. I could just download these songs and I could make my own CDs, make my own mixtapes. And it was pretty awesome because it was just so convenient. But I can remember getting to a point in my life where I realized, and it really started to bother me, that even though it was convenient, it wasn't right. And I started to actually realize that I shouldn't be doing that, that, that these, these artists, these musicians, they put in a lot of work and they deserve to be paid for what they do. And so the, the internet for, the, for a while was really just un, unfriendly to, to musicians and artists and, and people who you know, put out stuff like that, music. And I can remember just getting to a point where I realized that just because it's convenient doesn't mean it's right. And I think what we're going to see in today's passage is that the Jewish people started to do something that was convenient, but what Jesus declares with his actions and his words, um, it wasn't right. And he gets pretty furious about it. So we're going to jump in John chapter 2. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 13. This is our fifth episode, so if you haven't been with us um, through John chapter 1 and the first part of John chapter 2, definitely go back and listen to some of those. The last episode, I talked about how uh, the title of it was Ricky Bobby, A Party in Jesus, which was pretty awesome, pretty awesome episode. I really enjoyed that. So John chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 13. I want to read this passage, and then we're going to kind of break it down, but then I want to imply it in a way that maybe you've never heard this passage applied in this way. So, I hope it's going to be helpful for you. This is what it says. John chapter 2, starting in verse 13. I'm using the ESV Bible. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. So there's these people, they're selling some stuff, they're just making some money, you know, trying to make an honest buck. And Jesus, (laughs) he makes a whip and drives them out. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He's lost it. Jesus has just (laughs) totally lost it. Verse 16, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Verse 18, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Because Jesus just did something. And it reminded the disciples of something that was written in the Old Testament, specifically from Psalm 69, verse 9. So they're like, well, what are you going to say? What are you going to do to prove to us that you're actually correct in what you're doing? Because for some for them, they pointed to his actions as a prophecy, as him attempting to to basically fulfill prophecy. So they wanted to see him do some kind of miracle to prove he was who he was claiming to be. So verse 19, Jesus answered them, this is, this is my sign for you. Destroy this temple. And remember, he's, he's like in the vicinity of the temple or in the temple. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. I love that John just kind of paints the picture, and then he just gives us the answer. Um, He just basically comes out and says it, that he was talking about his body. And if you know anything about Jesus, is that He was crucified, and then on the third day, he rose again from the grave. And that is him basically proving what he had said with this this moment of (laughs) coming against the money changers in the temple and making a whip, whipping the people, and then throwing all their money all over the floor and then busting the tables up. I I can just imagine how upset these business people were with what Jesus was doing. Because even though um, there's reason to believe that these people, they knew that, you know, what was written in Psalm 69, they they knew that, you know, the, the temple was supposed to be a house of prayer and not a house of trade, but it was convenient for them to have the uh, the places of business near the temple because the temple is where all the Jews would be basically throughout the day. So it was convenient for them to have these things right around the temple or in the outer court of the temple. And so for them, it was just convenient. Like they weren't trying to be, they weren't trying to cause a ruckus. They certainly weren't trying to get whipped by this rabbi, but they were just doing it so that they could, it was a convenient way to make some money. And and if you know anything about Jerusalem, 
people came all over from all over the over the place to Jerusalem to worship God. And so it was likely that they had all sorts of different types of money, you know, how like we have the American dollar and the Canadian I don't know if it's called dollar, Canadian money, um, the euro, and all these different things. You know, Mexican money, uh, they, it needs to be exchanged. And so that's what they would be doing. So the people would come as they're about to go into the temple. They'd get their money exchanged so that they could buy something at the market when they're done you know, going to the temple. And it was convenient for them. But just like for me and, and d- downloading music from Napster or Frostwire, you know, it was convenient and it was nice. However, it wasn't right. And Jesus, he comes into the temple and just totally obliterates their place of business. I mean, imagine being a business person who's just trying to make an honest buck. Maybe you know that you're kind of on the verge of, of crossing a line that you probably shouldn't cross, but you, you, everyone's doing it, so you think it's okay. And this rabbi comes in and, and just totally ruins your place of business. He throws your money all over the, all, all over the floor and he's totally ruins your table, you know, the table that you carry everywhere to do the to do your business and and he doesn't seem to even care. He just totally drives you out. And I can only imagine like it's just to me it's kind of remarkable that uh, Jesus didn't get like beat up or stoned because of what he did. I mean just imagine. It's just kind of radical. This is not the Jesus we typically envision and kind of like last week, you know, is your Jesus the one you Worship, is, is he the one who is willing to go into the temple and just make a whip and whip people and turn over some tables? That's just crazy. But I've been thinking about this passage over the last week, and I thought about this, this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, where Paul declares that we as human beings, we as Jesus followers specifically, that we are, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That in the past, in the old covenant, God's presence was in the holy of holies inside the temple. And now because of what Jesus has done, it's removed the gap between God and man, and God's presence is in the body of the church, the individuals who make up the church, you and me. And this is so remarkable and so just mind-blowing. If you read the first two chapters of Colossians, Paul paints a picture of the glory and majesty of Jesus, and he declares that the mystery has been revealed and that mystery is Christ in you. And so if this is true that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the question I have for myself and and really for you as well is that does Jesus need to, if he came into your body, which he is, he lives there, does he need to turn some tables in your life, in your heart? Does Does he need to make a whip and whip some things into shape in your heart? Like, what's the condition of your heart? And that's a question I'm asking myself, too. If, if it's true that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, then when Jesus walks in, so to speak, is he going to be compelled to make a whip 
turn some tables, drive out the money changers. Is that is that the is that the standing? Is that the condition of your heart right now? And I ask that question because you know money changers in the temple that could represent a lot of things in our own lives. It could be the fact that we aren't generous. It could be the fact that we aren't forgiving. It could be that we aren't humble. It could be that we're elevating ourselves above other people. It could be that we have some hatred in our heart. It could be a whole host of things. The money changers in the temple, for me, are representing the things in our lives that we are not giving up control to God. Because I just imagine what Jesus would think if he came in to my body and looked around and understand I'm th- saying this hypothetically because he, the Holy Spirit does live in me. The Spirit of Christ lives in me and lives in you. I'm just thinking about it in this imagery. If he were to come in, what would he see and would he be pleased or would he be displeased? It's to, for me, it's just a clarifying question. If Jesus would come into the temple, your temple, the temple that is you, and look around, would he be compelled to make a whip and turn some tables? Would he need to? So as, as our action item for today, I think we all just need to, to ask God to search our hearts and to show us where we need to give up control. Because I think... That one of the biggest, it's so interesting that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self control. That we actually get self control by giving up control. And I think that we're, we're destined as Christians to live by the indwelling Holy Spirit. That we're supposed to give up control to Him. We're supposed to submit our lives to Him so that He would lead our lives. And anytime that we try to take over control, that's like us adding a money changer in our hearts. And so let us just ask God to search our hearts and let us just be content with what he shows us as he does that. And let us give up control in those things and submit to him and his will for us. A great book that I highly recommend. It's one of my favorites. It's a really small book called, it's called the table of inwardness. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's a great book, and it talks about this idea of, of the inner man and how we need to align it with Jesus. Another great book is uh, Ordering Your Private Life. I'll, I'll link to both of those books in, in the show notes at brandonkelly.org if you'd be interested in checking those out. But today... Just focus on this one thing, asking God to search your heart. Thanks so much again for joining me on episode five of The Abundant Life. I hope it's been helpful for you. I hope it's been a blessing for you. And if it has, would you do me a favor and just go on to iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you choose, and leave a rating and a review. What that will do is tell them that this podcast 
is important, that it's been relevant to someone, and it will put this podcast in front of more people, and as a result, hopefully, more people will be encouraged and challenged to live the abundant life that Jesus has brought them every single day. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.